This is a People First Radio podcast. As a librarian, Sarah Pump had a lot of experience helping people access resources. When she became too sick to work and applied for disability benefits, she found herself in an environment where she says everything felt like it was a secret. Now, she started Poverty Advocacy Nanaimo. It's a website and social media page designed to spread awareness about different programs and resources available to people in need. To learn a bit more about what some of those resources are, I got in touch with Sarah Pump. I'm Sarah Pump. I'm the executive director and founder of Poverty Advocacy Nanaimo. And I'm a proud Nanaimoite, and I'm passionate about helping people in crisis access resources. And can you tell me the story behind Poverty Advocacy Nanaimo, which is brand new, less than a month old, right? It is. Yes, it is brand new. I just uh, I just created it this past December 2023. So I, oh my goodness, the story. I worked professionally as a librarian for many, many years, primarily in public libraries, primarily working frontline with lots of people living downtown who needed support accessing resources, everything from just using a bathroom to help doing an application for a job, stuff like that. So when I became too sick to work, I started volunteering with an organization called Mamas for Mamas as a resource coordinator, helping people access local resources. And between my experience and my experience with Mamas, and then I moved on to Nanaimo Women Helping Women and was doing the same thing there, I realized how hard it is for people, especially low-income people, to discover the resources out there to find out ways to access them and to navigate that process of accessing them. Um, And so I've just become extremely passionate about sharing what is out there and, yeah, and just helping people find it. So Poverty Advocacy Nanaimo, I just started it in December, and mostly the focus right now is the website and communicating all the programs and resources available through our social media, which is Instagram and Facebook. And uh, that's where we're at right now. I'm still building the website every day, but long term, I'm hoping that maybe, you know, the, the, the organization could start actually meeting with people and helping them do applications. But that's more of a long term plan. Could you give me a few examples of some of the the types of services that you're hoping to spread awareness about? (laughs) So one of the things that I discovered when I became too sick to work and I had to apply for disability, I'm on provincial disability, like so many people, is it's all kind of, everything is a secret. I didn't discover that there was such thing as a crisis supplement available to people on income assistance and disability until I had been on it for almost a year. And I'm a well-educated woman. I have three university degrees. I'm pretty good at tracking down information. You know, that was my profession. And it still took a year for me to find out that if I'm short on money for food in a month, I can go to the ministry and get, you know, 60, I think it's now $60 a person for my family for money for food. So, you know, that's an example of something that just isn't well communicated that I've been working really hard to spread awareness about. You know, uh, there's also every year you can get $110 in crisis clothing 
And again, that's kind of like a well-kept secret, which is ridiculous to me because the reality is that anyone who's on income assistance or disability right now is barely feeding themselves. And so when a crisis does come up, they don't have any kind of cushion. So it's, it's important to know about these things. So that's that's my first example. Do you want another one? Oh, yes, please. Well, I'm curious, actually, <laughs> beforehand, maybe uh, you mentioned that, you know, it took you maybe a year to find out about some of these. Yeah. Uh, how did you find out? I was uh, I called the ministry because um, it's just me and my 13 year old son and my son needed some dental work. And when you're on income assistance or disability, the you know you, your kids are on the healthy kids plan which covers vision and dental but it only covers up to the fee guide that the ministry specifies and so in my case that means that when i take my son to the dentist his dental costs are only covered about it really varies but it's usually about 50% and then i have to pay the other 50% which again i only get about $1900 a month from the ministry to support myself and my son and at the time I was paying $1,600 a month for my rent. So I called the ministry and I said, my son needs this dental work, but I'm gonna, it's going to cost me about $300 extra out of pocket. Are there any supplements that can help me? Because my son needs it. And the nice lady on the phone said, well, no, but you know, we do have crisis food. And we have crisis clothing and you haven't accessed any of those in a year. So what I can do is I can say that you put all your money towards the dental and sign you up for crisis food and crisis clothing for you and your son, and that should actually cover it. And I was totally gobsmacked because I had no idea. And that actually amounted to almost exactly what I needed for the dental work. So then I asked a few more questions, and then I went on the website and I downloaded the the rate supplement guide, which is buried on, on the website, and discovered all these different crisis supplements. And that was when I kind of started my journey of like digging for what's available. So to that, yeah. So yeah, the so there's there's crisis supplements we've covered so far. Are there any other maybe resources yeah. that you find people just aren't that aware of that are out there? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, there's two things that come to mind right away. One is subsidized housing, which obviously lots of people know about subsidized housing, but, you know, the, the response is always, oh, go on the list, but you never hear anything. Go on the list and it's five years. Well, that's true for most people, but it's because BC Housing does not communicate the fact that in Nanaimo, you need to, once you have your BC Housing number, it's not as simple as just sitting on the BC Housing wait list. You have to then go and do a secondary application with the housing providers in Nanaimo to get on their internal wait lists. So because I found that out, I only waited eight months to get into subsidized housing once I applied. and. Now my son and I are in a beautiful, huge two-bedroom apartment, and I'm only paying 30% of my income from the ministry. And now we can actually survive, and now I can actually afford good food and to pay for the extra dentist and all that stuff. So, But that was because I learned to put myself on an internal wait list with you know, with the housing provider that I ended up going with. But I, I was on the internal wait list for all of them. And even it was funny because Bellinas Housing, who I've worked with um, advocating for, for clients, they actually said, like, they acknowledged, yeah, BC Housing doesn't do a good job of telling people that they also need to contact us and apply to us. And 
Bolinas just opened a new housing, a new uh, project on Hammond Bay. And uh, they ended up advertising that they actually had some open two-bedroom subsidized housing units when they opened because not enough people had applied to them directly. So, you know, to me, that was another huge sort of secret. And I, I make these graphics, these shareable graphics, and I made an, a graphic about how to apply for subsidized housing. And it not so many people were shocked, especially when I say it only took me eight months because I went internal. The other resource um, that, I mean, this is a smaller one, but people don't know that there's a pet food bank. And I tell people this constantly. Um, I mean, the human food bank is like when people, when I talk to people about resources, I always ask first, are you accessing the, the human food bank? But the pet food bank is a gem. And it's run by Salvation Army, deep in Harewood. You can go once a week and they have dog food, cat food. They get donations from um, local pet food stores, open bags, broken bags. My dog has never eaten better, like high quality, high protein stuff. And Marie, who runs it, is lovely and welcoming. And again, you can go once a week and get a good sized bag for your cat or dog. They have pets, sorry, pets, treats. Sometimes they even have leashes and toys. It's, um, I'm so grateful for them. You're listening to People First Radio. I'm speaking with Sarah Pump, who recently created Poverty Advocacy Nanaimo. It's a website and social media page designed to share information about resources available to people in need. Pump had to give up her career as a librarian after being diagnosed with a chronic illness. Her work with poverty advocacy is informed both by her past work and skills as a librarian and her own experiences accessing support after she became unable to work. I'm really struck by that. You mentioned earlier on that at a, at one time you were receiving $1,900 a month to live on and paying 1600 towards rent. And the only way you got out of that situation was by finding a waiting list that kind of no one told you about. And and I guess that must have made like a a foundational difference in your ability to to survive. It's game changing. And, you know, it's so interesting because on paper, I live in poverty. But because I feel I feel so privileged these days because I am living in a situation where my rent is actually manageable. and. You know, I would say, I mean, so everyone who's renting and a lot of people because of the interest rates with mortgage, their housing costs are obscene. But, you know, I talk to people over and over and over again who are on income assistance or who are on disability and their housing costs sometimes aren't even covered by the check they get from the ministry. And it's not that they, they would, I think in a lot of cases, they would choose to live somewhere more inexpensive if they could find it. Like, it's not like they're choosing to live like in a fancy place because they have high standards. It's that this is what was available. And, you know, for me, the only thing that saved us was my child tax, which I get. And because my son's autistic, I was fortunate we get a little bit extra, although that is intended to go towards his therapies, not towards food and heat. But uh, child tax is what saves most single moms. And most of the time, I wouldn't even say, call that saving because it only meant I had another like $700 for the whole month for groceries and heat and, you know, all that good stuff. You recently shared a bit about the experience of navigating the food bank in Nanaimo. 
Uh, is there anything you want people to know about how it works? I love the food bank. Um, you know, often I'm on I'm on Facebook a lot because I'm disabled and I'm not very mobile and I entertain myself by, you know, doom scrolling on my phone a lot. But again, it's when people post about the food bank, there's a lot of, oh, all I got was rotten food or, you know, all I got was expired stuff. So, you know, the thing about our food bank in Nanaimo is we are like incredibly blessed because we have a program where they go out and they get all these leftover and expired foods from the grocery stores. And so, you know, a lot of other food banks are purely based on donation and they don't get half of what we do. But yeah, I mean, you go there and you have to be smart. Like I I went last week and I got like four huge packages of meat, which is amazing. And it's what the food bank does is they freeze it when they get it. So yeah, like don't refreeze it. Don't put it in your fridge for a week and think it's going to be okay. Cook it right away and either eat it or then you can freeze it once it's cooked. Like, you know, you have to kind of do a little, I mean, and then again, I, I think about that, like there's labor involved in being poor because I have to, when I get home from the food bank, even though going there wears me out because again, I'm chronically ill, I have to cook all of that meat right away. And it takes, you know, extra time. And then I have to package it and put it in my freezer. And that's invisible labor of being poor because I need to make sure that all that meat isn't going to basically give me food poisoning. And so, you know, the same applies. Like, you know, yes, a lot of the fruit and veg are definitely at the end of their their life. But, you know, cut off the rotten stuff and, and you're going to be just fine. You know, the other thing I want people to know about the food bank is I understand that there's shame involved. Like, the first few times I went, especially to the Farquhar Depot, which is the volunteers are lovely and and they do an amazing job, but it's just, it's hard. There's shame there, you know, and a lot of us, this is not anywhere you ever expected to be in your life. You know, I had a wonderful career. I did not expect my body to start falling apart. So going to the food bank can be hard and I get that. You know, now I go to the Brecon Depot, which is... um you know, it's at Brecon United Church and they give you coffee and tea and snacks while you wait. That's a little easier on my heart, but I understand. I would tell people, though, that you just need to get over yourself because you can save so much money. And and some weeks are great and some weeks aren't so great, but it's worth it in the long run. Your work with poverty advocacy is about finding and sharing resources that do exist for folks. In the course yeah. of that, have you come across anything that you feel like is maybe a, a missing piece or a gap or a service that we could really use here in Nanaimo, but we don't have available? I would say it's a hole that long term I would love to see filled is helping people take the next step of of accessing programs. Because the reality is a lot of people in crisis or who are low income don't have the capacity or the bandwidth to navigate the systems. And so even though I can tell someone about subsidized housing, tell them they need to do the internal application as well, in some cases that's online, but other cases, for example, Woodgrove Seniors Housing, which is subsidized seniors housing, you have to print a paper application, you have to fill it out by hand, you have to get get a stamp and mail it. And those are all steps that someone in crisis, you know, 
isn't necessarily going to have the bandwidth to do. A lot of the clients that I've worked with in the past have um, trauma, you know, and in my experience, someone who's got profound trauma is often a lot like someone who has ADD. You know, there's a lot of squirrel going on and they just don't have the capacity to follow through on those things. So, you know, I've also worked, I worked with a client who had a severe hand injury and couldn't, couldn't handwrite stuff. So, you know, that's the gap I think is we need a, we need a place where volunteers will sit down with someone and volunteers who have a printer and a computer, because again, a lot of people in poverty don't have printers anymore, don't have a computer. And again, that's that invisible labor of being poor, having to go down to the library you know, maybe you don't have a library card. Maybe you're scared of the library because you didn't return a book 15 years ago. You know, there's, so there's that block. So we need a service where volunteers will sit down with someone, help them fill out the application, provide a stamp. Because again, like who has stamps these days? I do, but I'm 48 years old and I'm I'm 80 at heart. So, you know, a lot of people don't have stamps. Either mail it for them or walk it to the post box. Because I know, again, a lot of my clients have too much going on in their mind to do all that stuff. So, you, you know, I think we need a service where, where people can go in and just say, Hey, I want to apply for subsidized housing. Can you help me? I need to apply for leap, which is the discount recreation program through um, city of Nanaimo. But I have to provide proof of proof that I'm on income assistance. You need to provide a confirmation of assistance, which needs to be printed again. So you either have to go all the way down to the ministry office to get it printed or you need someone with a printer to print that confirmation of assistance so that you can get the LEAP program, which, by the way, gives everyone free swimming and skating. So I promote that like crazy. So these are obstacles that I think we really need need people to help with. And unfortunately, there's a gap there. Risebridge tries their best, but they have a lot going on. They're doing amazing work. Literacy Vancouver Island offered a service for a while helping with paperwork, but that is on hiatus now because they've had some staff changes. Really, there's not, you know, Nanaimo Disability Resource Center can help with some things, but again, they're swamped. Um, so I really feel like that's a gap. And long term, I'd love to see, I'd love to work towards that. I've been, unfortunately, too sick and I've had to suspend meeting with people directly. But I'm hoping in the coming year I can work on that. This is People First Radio. I'm Joe Pugh and my guest is Sarah Pump. She was diagnosed with a chronic illness and had to give up her career as a librarian. Living on disability, she found there were a number of resources that were available, but not necessarily well publicized. She's created a new resource called Poverty Advocacy Nanaimo. It's designed to help connect people in need to services they might not have known about. That's really interesting to think about this idea that there are, you know, over the course of our conversation today, we've talked about so many maybe different aspects of life that each have their own program associated with getting some kind of assistance and that there's no, yeah. there are a lot of different maybe nonprofits who are focused on other things that are maybe off the side of their desk trying to help people with one here and there is that what i'm getting is that there's there's no it's really hard for anyone who like yourself had a career in accessing and retrieving information to just know what exists uh let alone someone who who needs to access those services and you know didn't have a career as a librarian where that is what you have trained to do 
Well, and that's, you know, I say that over and over, even when I was applying for disability is, you know, I'm, I don't live with the effects of trauma. I have family support. I'm well-educated. I have a computer and a printer and applying for disability was a nightmare for me. And so it just makes you think about people who have other barriers and the challenges that they're facing. And you nailed it. Like there's a lot of other groups doing wonderful work who try, but it's time consuming to sit with someone and, you know, go through that. Like I've, you know, I've helped neighbors who, who needed help um, appealing an eviction notice. And I had to sit with them for an hour and go through it on my computer, you know? And so if you're, on the front lines of trying to deal with, you know, unhoused for, you know, unhoused community members sitting down with someone for an hour and working on something on the computer just isn't really going to be front of mind. Right. Is there any part of this that maybe you wish people who were designing the systems we're talking about and people who are using the systems we're talking about, does it seem like they've had much interaction no. And, you know, I, it's hard because I know the city of Nanaimo has worked really hard to reduce the barriers to their elite program, for example. I know they have, and they're very aware of the fact that, that some programs are difficult to access and they've tried to make it as low barrier as possible. But at the same time, they, they do require some proof of status or income or poverty or, so I don't, I don't know if I know what the answer is. I think, I mean, and, and it is, you know, I think, I think that question of, do we need to maybe have more, you know, groups where we actually get potential clients together with the services and say, you know, how, what's an application process that would actually be feasible. That might be, as opposed to forcing people to prove that they're destitute, which seems to kind of be the focus. Mm. So I, I don't know. I'm not that's a good question. I wish I knew the answer. Is there anything that maybe about about the experience of accessing these programs that you wish people knew who who haven't had to do it? You know, first off, I would say that there's too many programs that people don't know about. So, you know, like I said, that's kind of my focus is just promoting them. The other thing is, is that there is support if you're struggling. Like when my disability application went sideways because they literally like kind of lost it in the system. I contacted our um, MLA's office, our member of the legislative assembly, who's our provincial representative. And they were wonderful. And I got a staff member assigned to me who walked me through the whole thing, who contacted the ministry directly and helped me. And, and I finally got, you know, my disability settled after six months. But when I say to people who are struggling, well, you should contact the MLA, it's often, oh my gosh, I never that never occurred to me. So I think there are helpers. So sometimes it's a matter of connecting people to the right helpers. Our member of parliament, Lisa Marie Barron, she is extremely passionate about, you know, poverty-related issues as well and advocates in, you know, the in the House of Commons regularly on that. So that's someone else that you can reach out to. Like she's got open houses coming up this month where she talks about or where her staff are available to help people navigate issues with CPP, EI, child tax. And those are people who can sit down with you. So I don't think people realize necessarily that our elected representatives want to help. And they really do in Nanaimo. Like sometimes, yeah, they kind of aren't that helpful. But I mean, 
our representative for the province, like she's actually the minister dealing with poverty issues. So it's okay to reach out to them. Over the course of our conversation today, we've talked about a ton of different resources, maybe a bit in passing some of them. Things uh, like, say, the Pet Food Bank, things like the LEAP program, things like the separate wait list for different social housing providers in Nanaimo. If someone has just maybe heard a couple of minutes of this or heard something that piques their ear and they want to learn more about any one of those specific things, what would your advice be on the best place to go next to, to look for that information in a, a place that's written and not ephemeral like this? Well, of course, I'm going to say my website. Um, <laughs> so um, my website for poverty advocacy in Nanaimo is www.panaimo.ca. And then you just go to the menu and click on resources, and it's sorted according to topic. And for example, LEAP, you would go to the physical health tab and there's all sorts of different um, links there. There's some graphics talking about different things available and then links to things like island health programs and to the LEAP program for housing. There's a tab for housing. There's a tab for homelessness. And, you know, go check that out. And if you have any questions, you can uh, email me. My email's on the website and I'm happy to help answer questions. Is there anything else you'd be hoping to bring to the conversation today? Just that there is hope. There are things out there that can help you. Even in the midst of this economic crisis, my son and I are doing okay because every, literally every single day, we are accessing a different resource. And it takes time and it takes labor, but it's worth it. You know, I think for some people, they've just given up because it's too hard. But you know, between the food bank and the pet food bank and subsidized housing. And I have a discount on my car insurance because I'm disabled and, you know, all sorts of different things like that. We're managing. We're not, I mean, we're, we're not loaded, but we're managing and we have enough food in our cupboards. So there is hope. You just, sometimes the secret is to just find the right resource. Sarah Pump, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. No problem. Thank you so much for inviting me. Sarah Pump is the founder of Poverty Advocacy Nanaimo. You can learn more about resources available in the community on her website, panaimo.ca. People First Radio, People First Media, and People First Stories are community media projects of Vancouver Island Mental Health Society and are produced in Nanaimo, British Columbia. The opinions expressed do not necessarily represent the views of Vancouver Island Mental Health Society or its broadcast, podcast, and social media partners. 